is Prayer Amid Pandemic, a podcast to encourage and sharpen the church through telling stories of Christians whose faith were shaped by sickness and by praying with fellow believers around the world. I'm Morgan Lee. One of the biggest names in 19th century British preaching was a man named Charles Spurgeon. Spurgeon's preaching career began in the countryside. Though he was not formally trained, the then teenage orator sermons drew the public's attention, and at the age of 19, he moved to London. Spurgeon's language was graphic, emotionally charged, occasionally maudlin and sentimental, wrote Patricia Stallings Krupa for Christian History. Though the world knew him for his showmanship, he, along with his wife, also suffered from chronic pain, a matter that came up frequently in his writings about God. Spurgeon was almost certainly the most widely known and read pastor in Britain, and he would probably be a contender for being one of the most well-known Christian leaders worldwide. Thomas Brimer is the author of the forthcoming work, Tethered to the Cross, The Life and Preaching of Charles H. Spurgeon and a Tutor in Systematic Theology and History at Spurgeon's College in the UK. So his church was in central London and Southwark, and it was called the Metropolitan Tabernacle. It could almost, in a sense, be regarded as a tourist site in Victorian London. And so he attracted the attention of all sorts of people, American presidents, British prime ministers, members of the European royal families, they all went to hear him preach, and many of them wanted to meet with him personally. And it's also interesting, people who we would see more on the creative side of history were also drawn to him. So you have comments on Spurgeon from people like George Eliot, Mark Twain goes to hear him preach, Hmm. Uh, translations of his sermons fall into the hands of a young Vincent van Gogh, who considers actually studying for ministry as he reads them. Okay, so are you? is what you were trying to tell me is that he was one of the first celebrity pastors that we have had in history? Yeah, I don't know if the category would have <laughs> even really existed before in the way that it came about. He's not sort of this academic elite trained guy. He's coming from, as you said, the rural countryside, and yet he uh, comes to a considerable place of notoriety in London. Soon after Spurgeon moved from the countryside to the city, a cholera epidemic broke out in London. This was during the 1850s. Do we know what type of effect that this had on him at all or on his faith? That's right. So there's this outbreak of cholera going on around the world for decades, and it strikes London in Soho in 1854. And there's all sorts of competing theories around as to what has caused it, how it spreads, and Spurgeon has the opportunity to leave London and go on a preaching circuit in rural England, but he cancels all his external engagements, and he stays in London and he goes from house to house, visiting the sick, visiting the dying, and then these things, unfortunately, were part and parcel of life in Britain at that time. Sanitation was only just starting to be improved. And so in the summer of 1866, there was an outbreak of cholera in the East End that almost killed about 4,000 people. And Spurgeon preached a sermon from the book of Amos during this time, and he championed the work of scientists and medics who were combating the pandemic. So he says, 
I'm thankful that there are many men of intelligence and scientific information who can speak well upon this point, and I hope that they will never cease to speak. So he's all for prayer in the situation, but he's also realistic in his language in the sermon. He says, the gospel has no quarrel with ventilation, and the doctrines of grace have no dispute with chloride of lime. We preach repentance of faith, but we do not denounce whitewash. We would promote with all our hearts that which may honor God, but we cannot neglect that which may bless mm. our neighbors, whom we desire to love even mm. as ourselves. What types of diseases and physical ailments did Spurgeon suffer from throughout his life? So there were a few that plagued him throughout most of his life. So he suffered from rheumatoid arthritis, um, inflamed his joints perpetually and made movement very painful. He also had chronic gout, which in addition to the arthritis made walking almost impossible at some points in his life. And later, he also developed Bright's disease, which was the term used at the time for an acute chronic kidney disease. And it's worth saying as well, in addition to physical health ailments, he also wrestled with mental health issues for much of his life. Um, I'm not speaking from a sense of medical qualification, but I think it's fairly safe to speculate that Spurgeon would likely be diagnosed with clinical depression had that diagnosis been around in his lifetime. Were these illnesses something that the public was aware about, or did Spurgeon feel the need to conceal them from the rest of the world? No, he, uh, in many senses, doesn't shy away from talking about these sorts of things. His congregation will know when he's not there that he's been laid up, and when he comes back, he makes a point to thank them for their prayers. He corresponds through his secretaries and these kinds of things. He's not somebody who's trying to kind of hide away in any sense. How did Spurgeon make sense of all of this theologically, and how does it show up in his writing? Well, he writes fairly frequently about his struggles. So first, he doesn't believe that Christians were in any sense exempt from suffering in their earthly existence. There's a sense in which he saw suffering as a way to identify with Christ. So he says in one sermon, Jesus does not suffer so as to exclude your suffering. He bears a cross, not that you may escape it, but that you may endure it. Christ exempts you from sin, but not from sorrow. So theologically, then, Spurgeon is taking cues from Martin Luther, who saw suffering as kind of a way of molding and shaping oneself. So there was one sermon he has kind of an extended quote on suffering, and he says this, I beg to bear my witness that the worst days I have ever had have turned out to be my best days. And when God has seemed most cruel to me, he has then been most kind. If there's anything in this world for which I would bless him more than for anything else, it is for pain and affliction. I'm sure that in these things, the richest, tenderest love has been manifested to me. Our father's wagons rumble most heavily when they are bringing us the richest freight of the bullion of his grace. Love letters from heaven are often sent in black-edged envelopes. The cloud that is black with horror is big with mercy. Fear not the storm, it brings healing in its wings. And when Jesus is with you in the vessel, the tempest only hastens the ship to its desired haven. 
So in the passages that you read, it it sounded like Spurgeon comes to terms or makes his peace with how he's going to understand God and the nature of the suffering that he's dealing with. I am curious though, is there any, are there any documents where he ends up getting angry at God and writes about that? I think he definitely wrestles with the purpose of his suffering as anybody might in that context. But at the same time, he holds a really high view of the providence of God and that the goodness of God would transcend the immediacy of his present situation and that there would be something in store for him that was better than he could imagine in the midst of the trial. Hmm. So Spurgeon's physical condition did lead him to be confined to his home at some times. He often tries to work from home, so he keeps up his correspondence. His secretaries come back and forth and keep him up to date on what's going on in his church, in his college, in his magazine, in his orphanages. And you can see frustration in some of his letters. He certainly knows what it's like to long for face-to-face contact with friends and family. And in his later life, he has to, for the sake of his health, get out of England and go to the French Riviera where it's much warmer and it's better for his breathing and these kind of things. And so he still, even then, corresponds by telegraph and these kind of things and is still very much um, desiring to know what's going on back home and to keep in touch with people. So what difference do you think it ultimately made that one of the biggest names in British preaching also was someone that suffered from chronic pain and illness? I think it'd be irresponsible to begin to approach Spurgeon without taking into account that he's someone who did suffer significant physical and mental illness. He's not shy about it. He's not scared of it. And in a culture that was somewhat more restrained with regard to personal feelings, Spurgeon would wear his hurting heart on his sleeve. Sometimes he broke down in tears in his pulpit. Sometimes he couldn't even finish his sermon. But there would be no one in his congregation who was under the assumption that their pastor was perfect or that he had everything in his life together. Rather, he could honestly stand before a largely working class congregation who were all suffering in their own way and honestly identify with them. But I think most of all, it enabled him to genuinely point them to a savior who also suffered on their behalf. Here's the latest coronavirus news in the world and church for the week of April 27th. Black churches are concerned that they have been left out from the Small Business Administration's Paycheck Protection Program. We have representation from all of our nine major African-American denominations, Derek Johnson, president and CEO of the NAACP, told NPR. Most of them have complained about the lack of responsiveness from the banks to which they have submitted applications. These are churches from San Francisco to Detroit to Florida to Connecticut. We hear a consistent concern from church leadership across the country. South Korea's largest churches reopened this past Sunday. Attendees had to practice social distancing and wear masks, reported Reuters. Some churches required attendees to sign up ahead of time, had designated seating and limited total attendance. While the country overall has extended its social distancing policy, religious groups are among those exempt. 
COVID-19 has become the latest hardship for American seminaries, as Christianity Today reported last week. Here, I'll read from our story. For years, evangelical seminaries have been making strategic changes to deal with trends in theological education, financial constraints, or both. Some have restructured curricula, reduced campus sites, sold property, cut budgets, and deepened partnerships with fellow ministries and churches. Across the board, they're offering more degree programs online and strategizing on how to train more Christian leaders more effectively. Then the coronavirus sent those plans into overdrive. To read the rest of the story and for more coverage on how the church is responding to coronavirus, please visit the link in our show notes. Because of the global nature of this crisis, we believe it's important to hear from our sisters and brothers in Christ from around the world. This week's prayer is from Flemlin Ragobier, the General Secretary of Interschool slash InterVarsity Christian Fellowship of Guyana. Hello everyone, I am Flemlin Ragobier, and I'm the National Director for the Interschool and Diversity Christian Fellowship Student Movement in Georgetown, Guyana. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I come to you and I thank you for your goodness and that you always hear the cries of the righteous. Lord, I pray for Guyanese, particularly our leaders, as they respond to the needs resulting from the COVID-19 pandemic. I pray that food and medication being distributed will be given to those who need it most. Lord, I pray that our people will follow all the health guidelines, adhere to the curfew, help reduce the spread of COVID-19 and flattened the curve. I pray for students who are now attending classes online. Many do not have the facilities to do this and to do this well. Father, that you would grant the wisdom and the resources to correct this disparity. Lord, I pray that you will do these things in Guyana. In Jesus' name, amen. Prayer Amid Pandemic is produced by myself, Morgan Lee, along with Matt Linder, Mike Cosper, and Eric Petrick. Please help us spread the word about Prayer Amid Pandemic by sharing about it on social media or recommending it to your friends. The best way for you to help, though, is by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts. Our goal is to get to 25 ratings. If you have feedback, please send us an email at podcast at or on Twitter at CT Podcasts. We'll see you soon.